Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. And this is our third episode in the Life Group Study series. We're in the book of Romans, chapter 9, and we're just going to be looking at two verses today. Before we do that, I would like to mention that we come again to some difficult truths today. Some of these truths are unpalatable, and we need God's help to understand them, also to accept them and to see how they fit in to our Christian faith and also to the goodness of God and who He is. So let's just pray and ask God to help us. Father God, we pray that as we come to your word today, that you would help us to be humble and teachable. Please show us what it is that you want to teach us today and reveal yourself clearly to us so that we would understand you for who you are. And Father, we ask that in our lives, as we acknowledge these truths and as we hold to them and as we work with you, that we would honor and glorify your name because it is such a precious name. You are an amazing God. Every aspect of your character, every attribute that you have is wonderful. It's superlative. Nothing compares to it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's important that we spend a little bit of time recapping today, so I'm going to do that. We go back to episode one, where Paul used two Old Testament examples to teach us two difficult truths. And we learned from the example of Abraham that some humans are what Paul calls children of the flesh. So they're not children of God. And that is in verse eight. And if you're coming to this for the first time, uh, go back and read the scriptures there. Go back to episode one to listen to the explanation. Then the second truth that we learned was from the example of Jacob and Esau, that God chooses his children, and this is called election. And his choice or his election does not depend on a person's works. It doesn't depend on a person's desires. It depends on his own freedom to call whomever he chooses. And so this means that no matter what we do or what we don't do, we aren't going to influence God's choice. And it also means that I might have a desire for a certain person to become a Christian, but it's not my desire that is going to save that person. It's God who's going to save him or her, and God gets to decide. Yes, we work with God, but we don't get to choose. And so those are the two sobering truths that we learned from the two examples in the Old Testament. And of course, these truths raise many questions. And so Paul poses exactly one of those questions in verse 14. And he asks the question, well, was God unfair to choose Jacob over Esau? And the answer that he gives is no. God was not unfair. He was not unjust. He was not unrighteous by no means. And then he gives us the reason why. And he gives a logical argument to justify his answer in verses 15 to 18. This takes us to episode two. In episode two, we followed the first part of his argument, the reasons why he is not unfair to choose Jacob over Esau. Those are contained in verses 14 and 16. And the structure from episode two was as follows. One because clause or one explanatory verse in verse 15, and then one inference that is made or a conclusion that is made in verse 16 on the basis of the explanation in verse 15. So let's have a look at the because clause, the first one. 
verse 15, if you turn to there in your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It was fair of God to choose Jacob over Esau because God was exercising his right to choose freely without any external influences. And this was a right that he expressed in a conversation with Moses that Paul quotes from Exodus 33 verse 19. But what does God's freedom of choice have to do with fairness? Remember, we're answering the question, was God fair? And Paul's explanation is, well, God chose freely. But what, what is the relationship between God's choice and fairness? And we went back to the story of Moses and then to Romans chapter 1 to trace the connection. God's freedom of choice is an integral part of his name and his glory. We found that in Exodus 33:19, the verse that Paul quoted. And then we found that when God upholds his name and glory, it is the just or the righteous thing to do. We found that in Romans 1, 18 to 23. Therefore, on the basis of that, when God chooses freely, he is acting justly or fairly. And so we could sum this up by saying that God's choices in election are fair simply because he was the one who made the choice. And then on the basis of that, in verse 16, Paul made an inference. So then, in other words, he's making an inference. He's coming to a conclusion. It, and remember we, we, we discussed that it refers to election. Election depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Paul is inferring here that election depends entirely on God's choice. Today, here we come to episode three. The structure of the argument is continued. We're coming to the second part of that argument that we looked at in episode two. And it also has a because clause or an explanatory verse followed by an inference. The because clause is in verse 17. The inference is in verse 18. Let's look at the because clause in verse 17. Here's another reason why election depends not on human will but, or effort, but on God who has mercy. The first reason was God's right to choose freely without influence from anyone or anything. Look at verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. The reason given here in verse 17 is based on God's right to choose Pharaoh to demonstrate and to proclaim God's power and name. Then what's the inference? Paul makes an inference here and it's the second inference. It's the one in verse 18. We looked at the first inference last in episode 2. Look at verse 18. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. Since God is righteous when he freely chooses whom to have compassion on, and since Pharaoh served to show and assert God's power and name, Paul concludes that God has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Now, just as before, this first, as it was with the first because clause and inference, so it is today, it requires us to go into some deeper backstory and today we go into the backstory of Pharaoh. But before we do that, I would like to make several 
observations. The first observation is in verse 16. Just have a look at it. Verse 16 says, So then, election, it, depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. What I'd like you to notice there is that this is a confirmation of what Trevor talked about a little bit further back in verse 11. Because verse 11 says the same thing. In order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Folks, when we first read that in verse 11, it was a little bit difficult to, uns- to swallow. It was a little bit unpalatable. And I'm sure there was a part of us that was saying, I wonder if we've got this wrong. I wonder if the way that we're interpreting Paul is wrong. But Paul doesn't give us any room to suspect that because once again in verse 16, he says the same thing. The second observation that we make is in verse 17. Can you see in verse 17 that Paul is quoting literally the voice of God for this very purpose? He's quoting God here. God said, for this very purpose, I have raised you up. But he starts the verse by saying, for the scripture says to Pharaoh. In other words, Paul is equating scripture, Old Testament scripture, what is recorded there with the voice of God. Isn't that significant? It shows us that the Old Testament is incredibly important because it contains the very words of God. Paul equates the voice of God with Old Testament scripture. The third thing that we observe uh, has to do with something that we remember from episode two. Remember in episode two, we found a relationship between election and justice by finding a connection between election and God's name and glory. We found that connection in Exodus 33, 19. Well, in verse 17, we see that non-election, in other words, the flip side of the coin, also has to do with God upholding his power and his name. So we were on the right track in episode two. It's always good when scripture confirms what we think it is saying. Verse four, uh, uh, beg your pardon, observation four. In verses 14 to 18, Moses is drawing a parallel um, between, I beg your pardon, Paul is drawing a parallel between Moses and Jacob. They were both elected. And then a parallel between Pharaoh, who was not elected, and Esau, who was not elected. We just need to file that away in our brains. And then the last observation that we come across is this, um, this idea of the word harden. We come across hardening for the first time in verse 18. And it's clear that one person could be the object of God's mercy, whilst another could be the object of his hardening. God has mercy on Jacob and Moses, and so he calls them. But he did not have mercy on Esau or Pharaoh, so he hardened them. And then he held them accountable for their choices and executed justice on them. What is all this about hardening? We need to get back into the story of Pharaoh. Let's turn there. The Israelites, God's chosen people, had been enslaved by the Egyptians. And so God chose Moses to go and seek their freedom from Pharaoh. He said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, I want you to chat to him, and I want you to ask him to let my people go. 
But right from the start, God told Moses that Pharaoh would not agree to his request. Just have a look at this particular section of scripture from Exodus 4.21. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But, in spite of the demonstration of those miracles, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. The judgment of God on Pharaoh for his disobedience. Notice here what it says there in verse 21, that God was the decisive cause of Pharaoh's hardening. But I, God, will harden his Pharaoh's heart. Moses performed the miracles before Pharaoh. And let's face it, you can go back and read about them. They were incredible miracles. But Pharaoh would not admit that God was behind the miracles. And he would not submit to God because God had already determined that his heart would be hardened. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then with each of the ten plagues, Moses would warn Pharaoh about the consequences. He would say, this is what's coming if you don't obey God. If you refuse to obey God, this is what's coming. And for some of the plagues, Exodus records that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then in other places, it says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. We don't know whether it was God who was doing the hardening or whether it was Pharaoh who was doing the hardening. And then it says in some cases that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so then we ask ourselves the question, well, who did the hardening? Was it God or was it Pharaoh? And the truth is that it was both. God was the ultimate cause of Pharaoh's hardening. He hardened first. And yet Pharaoh also freely hardened his own heart. And God held him accountable for this by bringing judgment on him. Somehow, God has a will, and His will is ultimate, and we have a will, and we make a free choice, and we will be held accountable for that. I don't know how we reconcile that. To be honest, I can only assume that this is reconciled in God's economy. Somehow in God's space, He is able to put these things together so that they are both true. That God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and yet Pharaoh freely chose, and it was a real choice, to harden his own heart. As I say, I don't know how to reconcile that. Theologians through the years and ages haven't been able to reconcile that. The danger is that some people go to either the one, the sovereignty of God, um, or to the other, the free will of man, and they emphasize one over the other. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how to reconcile it. But it is the case. God rendered it certain that Pharaoh would freely choose to disobey him. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And just as a brief aside, it's, it's sometimes helpful to see the opposite of what was happening to Pharaoh. Just have a look at this from 2 Corinthians eight sixteen to 17. This is talking about Titus, who was a co-worker of Paul's. 
Paul writes, but thanks be to God, listen to this, who put it into the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you. God put it into Titus's heart to care for the Corinthians. And then it says, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Can you see those two things working to God, together? God ultimately put it in Titus's heart, and yet Titus went of his own accord. Let's return to the story of Pharaoh. God was the ultimate cause of Pharaoh's hardening. But we ask ourselves the question, why? Why did God harden Pharaoh? He did it to serve his mercy. He did it to serve his mercy. Let me explain. Look at verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up. Now here comes the purpose that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then God has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. God raised Pharaoh up. He set the scene for Pharaoh to become king of Egypt in order to do two things. Can you see them set there in verse 17? The first thing was to show God's power in Pharaoh. That was the first thing, the first purpose. And the second purpose was so that God pro proclaim his name in all the earth. So remarkably, it really is of worthy of note. This shows that God's mercy is served by his hardening. Let's take Rahab the prostitute, for example. Jericho was this major city that Israel had to overpower in its conquest of the promised land. And Rahab was a prostitute living in the city of Jericho. And she chose to harbor and facilitate the escape of two Israelites that Joshua had sent to spy out the city before he besieged it. It made sense for these two men to stay with a prostitute because people wouldn't have been surprised by strange men going in and out of her place at strange times during the night. Now, what was the reason that Rahab chose to align herself with Israel. You know, it wasn't simply that she was aligning herself to Israel. It was because she saw something in the God of Israel that drew her to him. This is what she said. I know, I know, because God had hardened Pharaoh's heart and God had done an amazing miracle for the people of Israel. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Why? How did she know this? For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Moses performed miracles before Pharaoh, but he hardened his heart and he refused to obey God. Rahab, on the other hand, saw God's power in the way he dealt with Pharaoh and she learned something about God's character and she chose to cooperate. God had hardened Pharaoh, but he chose before the foundation of the world to have mercy on Rahab and he called her. Therefore, God's mercy was served by the hardening. And this is something that Trevor's going to come back to when he deals with verses 22 and 23. Now, perhaps you're wondering how it is 
that God hardens. And I think there are some hints here in the book of Isaiah. How does he do it? In Isaiah 63, 17, it says, O Lord, why do you make us wonder from your ways? They're actually saying, ultimately, God was the one who was behind, in some way, us wondering. Why do you make us wonder from your ways and harden our heart so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. And then in verse Isaiah 64, verse 7, we begin to see how God actually hardened them. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. Why? Why is this the case? Why are people not calling out to the name of God? Why are, not, why are they not rousing themselves to take a hold of God? For, because you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in or delivered us into the hand of our iniquities. It's almost as if that when God chooses to harden some, somebody, the way that he does it, the way that he hardens their heart is by withdrawing his presence from them. So to finish off, what we need to do today is to summarize the argument and then we need to summarize what we've learned. Let's have a look at the summary of the argument. The, the whole point of this passage from verses 1 through to verse 18 has been to establish that God is not unrighteous or unfair or unjust in electing unconditionally Jacob over Esau. Here's a summary of the argument in five steps. Most of Israel is cut off from Christ, verses 1 to 5. Number two, yet the word of God has not failed. Why? Because the promise was only for those that God had elected. In this, God is righteous, for God's righteousness is, is his commitment to his name, and essential to his name is his freedom to choose without any compulsion from external influences. That's the summary of the argument. And then the summary of what we've learned in episode 3. First of all, we, the one thing we learned was that Paul equates the Old Testament scriptures with the voice of God. That's why we lend so much weight to the Old Testament scriptures. That's why they are a part of the whole Bible. We don't simply focus on the New Testament and explore, I beg your pardon, exclude the Old Testament. We don't do that. Next thing that we've learned is that one may be the object of God's mercy or of God's hardening. God had mercy on Jacob and Moses, and so he called them, but God did not have mercy on Esau or Pharaoh, so he hardened them and he executed justice on them. We also learned that God was the decisive cause of Pharaoh's hardening. And then we learned, last of all, and this is setting a foundation for episode 4, that God's mercy is served by his hardening. Folks, I, I trust that this has been taught clearly and that you can see that what we've been teaching here is backed up by the scriptures. Spend some time discussing this together. Spend some time processing it. Give us a shout if you'd like to talk about this anymore. And we look forward to being with you again shortly with episode four. Cheers for now.